Once upon a time, man, I heard that I was ugly. Came from a bitch who wanna fuck on me. I said my face bomb, ass tight, rack stack up, shack height, jewelry on me, flashlight. I've been lit since last night. <laughs> this is Nick from the Tennis Podcast, and I'm joined by a person. A befuddled sidekick host, Brandon. <laughs> did those lyrics stand out to you? <laughs> who did those lyrics? Who's the Shakespeare who wrote those lyrics? I can't tell you if she wrote them or not, but she sang them, and it's Cardi B with Up. Oh. Even though I was dropping fucks and bitches and asses, I still was editing because of some of the other words in it. Jeez. So, Cardi B, listener of the show, I just thought, what better way to get us up and in the mood for today's podcast for episode 138? Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Cardi B is very closely related to our topic today. Oh, wait, before we start, you got to explain to the folks at home what it is here we're doing. Yeah, so this is called the Tennis Podcast, and it's called that because every week, either myself, Nick, or the sidekick host, Brandon, bring a top 10-ish list on any given topic in the world. The other person doesn't know, doesn't have a heads up what the list is, and they try to guess items 1 through 10 along with you, folks at home. And Brandon has brought today's list. I brought a list. It actually doesn't have anything to do with Cardi B. I bet she hasn't done any of the things on this list in several years. This is something we all have to deal with. It's the most hated household chores. The most hated household chores. The top <laughs> 10 most hated household chores. Well, Cardi B, I mean, some of her chores are like fucking bitches up and slapping hoes. and None of those are on this list. Oh, okay. She's living a different lifestyle than us. This comes from Better Homes and Gardens, which also has never had Cardi B on the cover. Hmm. It's really surprising. So... Uh, there it is. Pretty simple, straightforward list. What are the most hated household chores? Is there any criteria or is it no, just a list? No, it's just the list. Okay. I agree with most of this list with the rankings here. This came to me earlier today when I was taking out the trash. Thinking, oh, I hate this household chore. And this popped into my head. Yeah. Taking out the trash is not in the top 10 though. Well, it's so easy though. That's what I thought later. I was like, the problem is that all these in the top 10 take time. Taking out the trash is over in less than a minute. I'll tell you this, though. This is not a chore, but it reminds me of, you know, some of the simple shit we all do. Well, hopefully all of us do every day for our entire lives. And one of them is brushing my teeth. Fucking hate that shit. What you hate? If I had a genie, like seriously, one of my five wishes might be make my teeth immaculate without me ever having to brush them. To have a force field around your teeth? Yeah. Yeah. And I can eat and drink whatever I want, and my teeth are great. No brushing required. Maybe Cardi B can write a song about it. <laughs> about the tooth, the toothbrushing genie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Top ten most hated chores. Mm-hmm. Are these pretty specific? Yeah. Okay. So, like, my guess is vacuuming. Like, is that okay, per- too broad? No. Perfect. Great guess. Vacuuming is number ten on the like if. The items on this are pretty much if someone made you a list of like all the stuff you had to do to get the house cleaned and organized, this is the list that they would make for you. And you're putting it in an order of how much you hate it. So number 10 is on the list, uh, vacuuming. You just said vacuuming. Vacuuming. Seems kind of low. I think maybe. Because it takes a while. Well, there's a reason on here that vacuuming may be so low on the most hated. It sounds like there is potentially a lot of pleasure that comes along with vacuuming. Oh, baby. Now, vacuuming. A vacuum cleaner, it's a device that causes suction 
in order to remove debris from floors, upholstery, draperies, and other surfaces. Hang on, you're going too fast. I can't take notes this well, fast. Well, hey, now... I want to know what a vacuum is. Well, I'm going to explain to you about a lot of household stuff today. Not in, like, excruciating detail, but I'll, I'm going to tell you about where some of these things came from. Like, yeah, the vacuum cleaner. In 1860, the first manual vacuum cleaner was invented by a guy went by the name of Daniel Hess from West Union, Iowa. He called it a carpet sweeper. It gathered dust with a rotating brush, and it had bellows for generating suction. You know those, like, uh, like accordion-style bellows. I think my first wife had some bellows, too, am I right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like a vaudeville comedian. They loved it. The listeners loved it. Keep going. So, in 1898, John S. Thurman of St. Louis, Missouri, submitted a patent for a pneumatic carpet renovator. This blew dust into a receptacle, and Thurman's system was powered by an internal combustion engine. God. It traveled to the customer's residence on a horse-drawn wagon as part of a door-to-door cleaning service. So they would pull up the horse-drawn wagon and turn this thing on and pull hoses into your house and blow the dust into a receptacle. It didn't suck, it blew. So this is like a once a year sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Right? This isn't something you do all the time. It, I can't imagine that this worked very well. It just had to blow the dust all around your house, like blow shit all over the place. Well, yeah, literal shit. Who the fuck knows what's on the floors in the 1800s? Right. Although it's probably nicer houses, nicer homes that paid for the pneumatic carpet yeah. renovator to pull up. In the horse-drawn carriage. For many years after their introduction, vacuum cleaners remained a luxury item. But after the Second World War, they became common in the middle classes. Vacuums tend to be more common in Western countries because in most other parts of the world, wall-to-wall carpeting is uncommon and homes have tile or wood floors which are easily swept, wiped, or mopped manually without power assist. Which makes a great like, point. Like Wall-to-wall carpeting, when you think about it, is super gross. I was just about to ask, imagine if today, you know, most American homes are primarily carpet. I mean, that trend is changing in newer homes. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, if you were to look at every house in America, most of them are fully carpeted. So, imagine today with how fucking, think about how gross all of our houses are with pets and kids and just, even if you live alone, all the fucking dead skin and shit. Imagine if we didn't have vacuum cleaners. Imagine how gross it'd be. I have two kids and two dogs. Not only is a vacuum cleaner needed, but because we have, we only have carpet in bedrooms and in one small hallway. And even then, a carpet, like a separate carpet cleaner was also needed. Yeah. We had to call in the big dogs. Did they come in a horse and carriage when they brought in the... It might as well. It scares the shit out of two or (laughs) three out of the four small creatures in my house. Yeah. So, I mentioned... It is scary. That, uh, you know, vacuum is kind of low on the list of hated chores. Yeah. Must be some kind of pleasure, something to um, lighten the Is it the people load. dancing while they vacuum? That's probably part of it. But I want to read to you a collection of short reports from the 5th of July, 1980 edition of the British Medical Journal. Okay. This short report is titled, Penile Injuries from Vacuum Cleaners. Oh my God. <laughs> These are, I'm going to read almost word for word this whole entire short report on penile injuries from vacuum cleaners. Keep in mind, this is from... The British Medical Journal sees they're all British men we're about to talk about. Okay. Case number one. A 60-year-old man said that he was changing the plug of his Hoover Dustette vacuum cleaner in the nude while his wife was out shopping. 
<laughs> See, this is wives. No, I'm already not. When you go it. out shopping, even if you're married to a 60 year old man, I would say, especially <laughs> if you're married to a 60 year old man, the moment you leave, he's making plans. <laughs> and well, let's not, let's not ignore the, the real takeaway here. Women be shopping. And she did. All right. So, he's changing the plug of the vacuum cleaner in the nude while his wife is out shopping. It, quote, turned itself on and caught his penis, causing tears around the external metis and deeply lacerating the side of the glands. There's a part of the penis that's actually called the metis. Mm -hmm. The external (laughs) metis, I think the shaft is the metis. Is this implying that the penis was sucked into the suction part? We'll get to that part. Okay. Yeah. Final result was some scarring of the glands, but the foreskin moved easily over it. So, good for case number one. Case number two, a 65-year-old railway signalman <laughs> was in his <laughs> signal box when he bent down to pick up his tools and, quote, uh-huh. caught his penis in a Hoover dustette, <laughs> which happened to be switched on. <laughs> okay. When it says bent over, what he really was doing was getting on his belly like a snake on the ground. What kind of shithole signal box is he hanging at? He's standing naked <laughs> in a, and there's a vacuum cleaner switched on running somewhere around waist height. Yeah, somehow. Then there's tools on the floor and he's standing in the middle of this shit naked when he's supposed to be looking out for trains. And not only all that, but these gross men were so, you know, ashamed. I don't know what the word is, but they, no, they weren't ashamed. They, like, they were able to swallow their shame in order to possibly make a buck from complaining to the companies about their injuries. No, this, this isn't complaining to the companies. This is, they went to the hospital. This is, this is a medical oh. journal. Oh, no, right. The, okay. Hoover, the Hoover Dustette just happens to be mentioned by name in the first two. I think it was a very popular model. That's a part of the problem. It's the dustette. It's a female vacuum. These men were trying to take advantage of her. (laughs) She was asking for it. (laughs) Case number three, a 49-year-old man was vacuuming vacuuming his friend's staircase Uh in a loose-fitting dressing gown (laughs) (laughs) when intending to switch the machine off, he leaned across to reach the plug and, Uh you got to, quote, at that moment, his dressing gown became undone and his penis was sucked into the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> this doesn't happen. No. This does not happen. I'm sorry. Well, well, not on accident. Does it give years on these? What year? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, there was one on here that's listed. It happened in 1973. So, I would say these okay. are, yeah. Even in 1973 and well before that, vacuum cleaners... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but their suctioning part, you know, the little opening mouth that sucks up on the floor Mm -hmm. was not large enough for a penis to just fall in there. I mean, am I wrong? Well, you know, you can unhook the tube. Yeah. You could probably stick your dick in that tube. But these guys, I don't know where, I mean, but that wouldn't injure it. You would just get it sucked in there. (laughs) The tube doesn't have a rotating blade, which we'll find out was part of the design of the Hoover Dustette. Mm-hmm. Because he had phimosis, he suffered multiple lacerations to the foreskin as well as lacerations to the distal part of the shaft of the penis, including the external metis. Now, to look this up, phimosis means his foreskin was too tight. The wounds were repaired with catgut, and phimosis was reduced with a dorsal slit. 
Ouch. A dorsal slit, meaning they they slit the winky to let go of some pressure? They put a slit in the foreskin on the dorsal side, which would be like the back of the dick. <laughs> okay. Well, you're not being very scientific, so. Okay, now here are the comments below. Except for the patient with phimosis, the injuries sustained by these patients were mostly lacerations to the gland's penis, that's their dickhead, Ugh. presumably because the foreskin was retracted at that time. Because it was erect. Right, later on here, at least two of the injuries were caused by a Hoover dustette, which has fan blades about 15 centimeters from the inlet. Oh, Jesus. The present patients may well have thought that the penis would be clear of the fan, but were driven to new lengths by the novelty of the experience and came to grief. <laughs> no, wait a minute. <laughs> My favorite part of it is that it says, and came to grief. <laughs> They're being cheeky on purpose. They gotta be, right? Yeah. <laughs> they came to grief, yeah. Whoever's writing that is also kind of commenting on the fact that it was such a exotic experience for them that they got more aggressive with it, which led to the right, they were, further insertion. They were going balls deep in that <laughs> vacuum cleaner and paid, uh, paid the price in grief. Well, Brandon, you're obviously mistaken because they were obviously just leaning over or cleaning something off the floor and the penis just happened to get stuck. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. I completely understand. It happened to me today. I went into Target and I was picking up a few things <laughs> and I accidentally looked down and my dick had gotten like stuck in between two bags of chips. I had to like wrestle it out. <laughs> and your dick just happened to be fully erect. No, I mean, it just loosely got caught in there. I was wearing a loose <laughs> dressing gown. Came out. Okay. So, we start out with a bang. Number 10 was vacuuming. Tell me some more of your most hated household chores. Some of these have got to be just very common, so let's go with dusting next. Yeah, dusting is number nine. Oh, you know, it's my third eye coming to play today. Working your way right down the list. Oh, dusting. Dust is a combination of human skin cells, dust mite excrement, fabric fibers, dirt, and debris from outside that has made its way inside. And there's got to be some butt particles in there too, right? Well, that's part of the dead skin cells. Dust in homes is yeah. composed of about 50% dead skin cells. The rest, and in offices and other human environments, is composed of small amounts of plant pollen, human hairs, animal fur, textile fibers, paper fibers, minerals from outdoor soil, Burnt meteorite particles. What? Well, that was the one, only one in here I was like, what the fuck? Are we living in, is this Star Trek? <laughs> and many other materials which may be found in a local environment. All of those make sense except for burnt meteorite particles. Well, you're just not hanging out at the right human environments where those I'm not are hanging out on the fucking surface of the moon, which the moon <laughs> is covered in dust. Maybe that's what the meteorite thing's all about. Now, house dust mites. Those teeny tiny bugs are present indoors wherever humans live. Positive tests for dust mite allergies are extremely common among people with asthma. Dust mites are microscopic arachnids whose primary food is dead human skin cells. What is this shit? You know, it's like, what is this shit? Who designed this shit? Why are there fucking microscopic spiders eating our dead skin? The cosmic, ever-loving Lord God <laughs> decided that his creation would not be complete without tiny spiders that feed on your dead skin cells. It's all part of a grand design, I guess. 
Now, they don't live on living people. They and their feces and other allergens that they produce are major constituents of house dust. Because they are so heavy, they're not suspended for long in the air. They're generally found on the floor and other surfaces until they're disturbed by walking, for example. It could take somewhere between 20 minutes, two hours, for dust mites to settle back down out of the air. Can I comment on something? Sure. Dust mites are microscopic, yes? Yes. Which means their feces has also got to be even more microscopic. Yeah. Yes? So that means that the dust that we can all see plainly with our eyes, Mm -hmm. think of how much fucking dust mite shit has got to be built up there for it to be visible. Well, 50% is your dead skin cells. So, that point stands. Yeah. Still a healthy amount of microscopic arachnid poop. Exactly. Dust mites are a nesting species, and they prefer dark, warm, humid climates. They flourish in mattresses, bedding, upholstered furniture, and carpets. Their feces include enzymes that are released upon contact with a moist surface, hmm. which can happen when a person inhales. Great. And these enzymes... Thanks for bringing this list to to us today, Brandon. Those enzymes can kill cells within the human body. House dust mites did not become a problem until humans began to use textiles, such as Western-style blankets and clothing. We did it to ourselves. Western-style blankets and clothing. Yeah, fucking cowboy shit. Oh, okay. No, Western-style mean like, you know, clothes Western, non-Easterners wear, not cowboys. I got got it. Thanks for that. Okay, so the non-Easterners. So dust mites probably didn't even exist until humans existed. No, I mean, probably they did. They weren't a problem. I thought you were a fucking doctor. Well, no, I'm just smart. Hmm. All right, guess another one. Okay. Vacuuming, dusting. Well, is sweeping on here? Mopping. Okay, mopping. number eight is part of sweeping because there's dry mopping and that's basically sweeping. There's no sweeping on the list. 10, 9, 8. Yes, wonderful. Nailing it. Now, mopping, super exciting. I don't have a ton of notes on that. Weird. One of the biggest mistakes people make when they're mopping is not giving the floor a quick vacuum or a sweep beforehand. My mopping without sweeping first simply spreads dust and hair all over the floor surface as you mop. And if you're wet mopping, then you're activating the enzymes in that dust mite feces. It's gross. (laughs) hey i told you the fucking notes for mop are not that exciting okay so we're gonna really blow the roof off when we get to fucking like you got your dry mop doing the dishes you got your wet mop (laughs) i got some better shit for doing the dishes the modern mop came around in 1893 that was the patent where you could like push the thing down and squeeze the mop out what'd they use before that they didn't mop did they no they did mop they They just just squeezed it out differently oh how did they fucking clean? Like, think about all the old, uh, you know, anytime you watch a movie or a TV show about old-timey shit, mm-hmm. like, think Game of Thrones. The castles and shit are always immaculately clean, but there's no vacuums and no mops. Sweeping. I guess. Probably cleaned it with a lot of slaves. They just used dead slave bodies, maybe, to just sweep it around, get that dust out. So, that's it for mopping. Mopping's not an exciting one. No, but... Before I make my next guess, let me squeeze in a quick plug here. I got a few today, so I want to spread them out. Uh, one of our listeners created a new subreddit for Tennis Podcast. That means you can discuss this episode that you're listening to right now. You can go discuss it with other listeners like you. Just go to Reddit and search for Tennis Pod to join in the discussion. 
subreddit is completely managed and operated by listeners, so that means no Nicks or Brandons ruining the fun. You can go again to Reddit and search for Tennis Pod. And I hear that they love to talk about mops. There's nothing really exciting about a mop, but it's on the list. So I got 10, 9, 8, so 7 has to be... How about, uh, I mentioned a second ago, how about doing the dishes? Washing the dishes is number 3 on the list. I knew it. Which is not that high on the list for me because I've rinsed them off and put them in the dishwasher. And if I listen to a podcast while I load or unload the dishwasher, then it's no big deal. I don't do this, but because I'm a... I'm like you. Whenever I'm done with a dish, I rinse it, put it in the dishwasher, done. But a lot of people let it build up for days or even weeks before they finally get to it. Well, And those people could just go ahead and unsubscribe because I can't deal with that shit. I need my house orderly. Dirty plates left in the sink can serve as a breeding ground for illness-causing bacteria, including E. coli mm. and salmonella. And that bacteria can also spread from your hands to food. And now washing the dishes manually is, I would say, decidedly more annoying than putting them in the dishwasher. Yeah. But the dishwasher is what most of us, I think, are using. And unlike manual dishwashing, which relies heavily on physical scrubbing to remove soiling, Mm. the mechanical dishwasher cleans by spraying hot water, typically between 45 and 75 degrees Celsius. Did you know how hot the water was? It's between 110 and 170 degrees Fahrenheit. Pretty hot. Sprays it at the dishes with lower temperatures used for delicate items. The first mechanical dishwashing device was registered for a patent. Guess. Guess what year the first mechanical dishwashing device was patented. Wow. So the vacuum used a combustion engine in what, the 1890s, I think you said? Uh Uh-huh. This is a mechanical dishwashing device. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's powered by anything. Uh, Let's go 1800s then, like maybe 1870s or something? Fuck, it was 1850. God. It was a device made out of wood. Was it wood? just a horse that like licked your bowls clean? <laughs> yeah. It was uh, like the Flintstones. It was <laughs> a dinosaur or something that just licked it clean. The device was made of wood and it was cranked by hand while water sprayed onto the dishes. It was slow and unreliable. And then there was another one patented in 1865 that was similar to the first, featured a hand cranked rack system and neither was practical or widely accepted. And some historians cite that there was an obstacle to adopting the dishwashing machine with the historical attitude that valued women for the effort put into housework rather than the result. Okay. Basically, making the household chores easier was perceived by some to reduce the value of women. That's stupid. By the 1970s, though, dishwashers have become commonplace in residences in North America and Western Europe. By 2012, over 75% of homes in the U.S. and Germany had dishwashers. How, what percentage there? 75, 75%. Over 75%. Is it true that before, I don't know what year, but probably at least, you know, the 1900s, dishwashing really just meant wiping the dishes with a rag, right? Well, in soap, yeah. Well, was there? Because not every house had like water readily available. Oh, I have no idea. No, shit was all gross all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I guess that's, the t- that's my point. Yeah. Didn't know this, and I don't think I'm going to try any of this shit. Dishwashers can be used to cook foods at low temperatures. Stupid. The foods are generally sealed in canning jars or oven bags, since the dishwasher nope. cycle without soap can deposit residual soap and rinse aid from previous cycles on unsealed foods. That sounds like a huge waste of time. Anyone who does that is a psychopath. 
Dishwashers have also been documented to be used to clean potatoes, other root vegetables, garden tools, sneakers, silk flowers, some sporting goods, plastic hairbrushers, baseball caps, plastic toys, toothbrushes, fl- just anything, flip just anything really, contact lenses, cases, humans, a mesh filter from a range hood, refrigerator shelves and bin. Now, refrigerator shelves and bins actually sounds like a good idea. Okay. Toothbrush holders, pet read- bowls, and pet toys. <laughs> Listen, of all the things Brandon read, let's say you read off like 20 or 25 uh-huh. things there. If you, the listener out there, are using the dishwasher for more than like two or three of those things, drive yourself to the nearest mental hospital and check yourself. You're going off the deep end. Why do you need to wash your toothbrush so bad? God damn. Now that, I get the toothbrush. I don't have a problem with Just that. Just buy one. a new toothbrush. Um, yeah, you could. All right, guess another chore. I referenced it. How about laundry, doing laundry? That's got to be high. I'll bet that's number two. Laundry is number five on the list. I fucking knew it. A little lower than I thought. Laundry was first done in water courses. It was a place where, you know, cavemen or whoever, they would let the water carry (laughs) away the materials that cause stains and smells. They would just stick it in the water and, like, agitate it. Laundry is still done this way in rural uh, regions of poor countries. And agitation, like I described, helps remove the dirt so the laundry was rubbed, twisted, or slapped against flat rocks. And then what? So they like go to the bottom of the stream or something to retrieve it? Wait, what do you mean? Didn't you say they, they put it in like, like a running river well, or something? they hold on to it. They don't like send their laundry oh, okay. down, the, down the fucking creek. <laughs> That's what I thought you were saying. No. I thought like if they, let's say there was a dam like 100 yards down. No, they hold, you put your lawn, you put, they hold on to their wet shirt and slap it against the rocks and that makes all the dirt okay. fly off. Then once it's clean, the clothes are rinsed and wrung out, twisted to remove most of the water. Now, if I had to do that, that would be number one for me. Absolutely. Uh, then you got to hang it on a pole or a clothesline to air dry or sometimes you just spread it out on the, like grass or bushes or trees. And then I like this and then it says, finally, they were ironed. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not doing all that shit and then ironing it. Well, we'll get to that later too. Remember that. So before the advent of the washing machine, laundry was also done in a communal setting. It was like a party. It was how, you know, yeah, it's fun. had a good time. The first English patent under the category of washing machines was issued in 1691. What? A drawing of the early washing machine appeared in the January 1752 issue of the Gentleman's Magazine, a British publication. <laughs> the Gentleman's Magazine. Yeah, they think it would be full of like pictures of, you know, chicks with their tits out and big old bush hairs with like a, no. a powdered wig over their bush. But instead, it was a drawing of an early washing machine. Well, I guess they were gentlemen. Listen, I hate to say it. But if there was an advertisement for a laundry slash washing machine in a men's magazine, it was, hey, get your wife or get your slaves this machine to make your household more efficient. Yeah. In 1862, a patented compound rotary washing machine with rollers for wrangling and mang- or mangling hmm. was patented and shown at the 1862 London Exhibition. The first U.S. patent that was titled Clothes Washing was granted to a guy named Nathaniel Briggs of New Hampshire in 1797. My guy. Modern washing machines caught on in the U.S. after World War II. 
By the 1950s, more people were buying new washing machines than were buying ringer-type electric machines. Those were those like uh, those roller things that would just like squeeze water out. I don't know how that was supposed to wash anything. You know, World War II was bad, right? For a lot of reasons. Yeah, sure. A lot of people died. Like a lot of people died, uh-huh. and you know all the just all the all the bad things about yeah, World War II. Yeah, Holocaust. But, sure. <laughs> but if there's one thing you could say, like if I was World War II's defense attorney in a court of law. What I'd say is, yeah, you got all this bad shit over here. Sure, we could focus on that. Or, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we could focus instead on how World War II serves as a very good breaking point in world history. Because you got before World War II and after World War II. Right. (laughs) That's it. I just, you know, we can move on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's move on. I want you to name another hated household chore. We're done with the laundry. Okay, well, you kind of tipped me off a minute ago. How about ironing? Yeah, where would you guess ironing is? I mean, for me, it's dead number one, but I'm going to guess on this list, it's number six. It's not. It's number four. I knew it. And it is your most hated because you don't know how the fuck to do it. You don't know. It's all, you're like a caveman. We'll get to that. It's a goddamn mystery. I know how to do it. I just hate it. According to an Australian Bureau of Statistics survey. Can we trust it? Australian women still spend 5.8 times as much time on laundry and clothes tasks as men do. That's not fair. Call your closest Australian and complain, everyone. I'm, t- I'm activating the listeners here. My next note is just the bullet point that says Nick doesn't know how to iron. <laughs> okay, so let's address this big fucking elephant in the room, why don't we? Because Brandon keeps alluding to it. Brandon and I used to work together and we would travel a lot for work. And at these work functions, we'd have to bring nice clothes, sometimes even suits. And on one of these trips, I confided as a friend to Brandon that ironing is maybe my least favorite thing in the world. It's not that I don't know how to do it. It's that I hate doing it. And It's that you refuse to do it. No. That came later because I convinced Brandon to iron my shirts for me one time. <laughs> I was so tired of showing up looking like I was bringing my mentally retarded brother with me everywhere. I would have rather worn wrinkled shirts than spend the time to iron because that's how much I hate ironing. But I convinced Brandon to iron my shirts and he'll say that it's because he was sick of me looking like a, you know, whatever he just said. But I think deep down he enjoyed it. He felt closer to me. It was a bonding thing for him. But also, let's bring about the critical point here that you would have left out, I think. You didn't just iron that one time. You definitely ironed on more than one trip for me. Yeah, because you kept looking like a fucking idiot. <laughs> so anyone, if, if you ever need clothes ironed, send Brandon a tweet at Sidekick Coast. Send him your clothes. You can work it out in the DMs and he'll iron your clothes for you. And if you ever... He did a great job. If you ever want to be seen with someone who looks like they stuck their dress shirt under the mattress of their bed the night before they slept on it. That's a good idea. I never thought of that. You know what I'd do, though? I'd hang my dress shirt up in the bathroom while I was taking a hot shower. That never seemed to do anything. It doesn't do jack shit. But laying it under the mattress, I don't know, I never thought of that. I almost want another work trip with you now so we can test the theory out. But I haven't worn a dress shirt in, I don't know, (laughs) fucking few years now. Forgot how to work a button. Mm -hmm. The iron is a small appliance that when heated is used to press clothes to remove creases. 
Domestic irons generally range in operating temperature from between 250 degrees Fahrenheit to 360 degrees Fahrenheit. That is fucking hot. I wouldn't know because I had someone else iron my clothes for me. Before the introduction of electricity, irons were heated by combustion, either in a fire or with some internal arrangement. An electric flat iron was invented by a fellow named Seeley, patented in 1882, and it weighed almost 15 pounds and took a really long time to heat up. God. A guy named Max Skolnick in Chicago patented the first electric steam iron and dampener in 1934, and then in 1938, he granted the Steam-O-Matic Corporation of New York the exclusive right to manufacture steam electric irons. It was the first steam iron to achieve any degree of popularity, led the way to widespread use of the electric steam iron during the 1940s and 50s, when people were putting some hefty creases in their pants. Can you imagine fucking using a combustion engine device to fucking iron? (laughs) Like a fucking diesel? What do you need to look good for in the early 1900s with an iron shirt? Who gives a fuck? You're all a just duel. trying not to die of fucking whatever, the Spanish flu. To sign a treaty, to do a duel, to write a dissertation with a quill. You'd want to look sharp for all that shit. You know, back then, there's so much more important shit to worry about than making sure your clothes are... I'm risking your life by using a combustion engine device. Like, at some level, you are risking your health and life in that, using that. Dad died of carbon monoxide poisoning when he was ironing. Could happen. Not to me, though, because I have someone else iron my clothes. So the next... So, God. God damn. Did you drink an energy drink tonight? I did, actually. Leave that shit in. Any other questions? Leave that shit in. There's four left. Number six, number seven, number one, and number two. And they they all start with the words cleaning the... Cleaning the garage. No, that's not on here. The windows? I didn't think this would be in the top 10. I never think about this one. No, I just don't do it most but cleaning, of the time. <laughs> yeah, cleaning the windows is number six on this list. Okay. This one I have the least amount of notes for because it's like, what the fuck? I have to do it like once a year. My windows don't look like all fucked up. Now, mirrors, I could understand. Yeah, mirrors. Like different. bathroom mirrors. Yeah, but windows, no. Cleaning experts say a 50-50 vinegar and water solution is best to clean windows because it doesn't contain soap, which leads to streaking. Great. We started using glass as commonplace in windows of ordinary homes in the early 17th century, in the early 1600s. Before that, windows were made up of panes of flattened animal horn. Animal horn? Yeah, I don't know what. I mean... Could you see through it or did you have to like open the little door to... (laughs) Open the horn? I don't know. I don't know. I don't... I don't know. I thought windows were just open before... Yeah, probably. But that's it for cleaning the windows. There's just Oh, that's it. <laughs> there's okay. nothing I mean, there's nothing to say about cleaning the windows. Except that I'm surprised it's in the top ten because it doesn't I don't seem to have that issue. It's definitely not higher than mopping. Ugh. Right. Something I do way more frequently. I hate mopping. Mean, this is this shit all sucks. Well, you could make an argument. Again, if I was a defense attorney for cleaning the windows, I might say, <laughs> Yeah, you do it infrequently, but that's because you hate it so much. <laughs> defense attorney i think i'm making a case here i think i'm gonna get some calls from some law firms after this episode drops seeing if i can come on their team what do you think 
You think I think I you need to guess. I think you need to get off the, this and guess another chore. Okay. Seven, two, and one. Yeah. And they all start with cleaning the. Mm-hmm. Cleaning the carpets? No. That's vacuuming. Cleaning the kitchen. Cleaning the stovetop and oven is number seven. Oh, I do hate that. The inside of the oven is a disaster. Stovetop itself. Uh, stovetop's not so bad, but it just it is a pain in the butt. I hate taking all that shit off. The Department of Health suggests cleaning the oven and the stovetop once a month. But what the fuck do they know? You need to clean your stovetop way more than once a month. The earliest ovens were found in Central Europe and date back to 29,000 BC. But those aren't real ovens. Come on. They were roasting and boiling pits inside yurts used to cook mammoth. Well, fucking hell, man. When's the last time you roasted a mammoth, Brandon? I've never roasted nothing like that. In Ukraine from 20,000 BC, they used pits with hot coals covered in ashes. Food was wrapped in leaves and set on top and then covered with earth. That is, god damn. I mean, that's some caveman shit. Yeah. So the last note on cleaning the oven. Do you know Sylvia Plath? American poet, novelist, and short story writer. No, but I assume she's a listener of the show. She's not. She's dead. She died of carbon monoxide poisoning by sticking her head into her oven. Well, don't do that. She sealed the rooms between her and her children with tape, towels, and cloths and stuck her head in the oven until she was dead. She was 30 years old. Oh, it was suicide then? Yeah. Well, how about just go outside the home and kill yourself? Why do you have to do it in the home? She was depressed. But you're putting your family at risk. No, that was what was for the tape towels and cloths were for. I know, but what if the kid came out of the room and said, what's all this fucking tape and shit doing here? I'm taking this down to gain access to the kitchen. I want a snack. She knew the risk. And she's going to die. Someone has to go in there. Someone did. They found her. Sloppy, inefficient suicide is all I'm saying. She was pretty depressed. Probably wasn't thinking straight. Cleaning the stovetop and the onion. You know, you know, I don't think I've ever cleaned the inside of an oven. Have you? Yeah, just not often. It's gross. I really cannot think of a time I've done that. All right, you got two left. What do you hate to clean the most? These are two things I've definitely, like, everyone's familiar with them. Mm-hmm. What am I missing? Cleaning the, oh, cleaning the bathroom slash toilet is number one. Well, that's two different ones, you wild jackass. Uh, Well, it's stupid to separate them, but fine, let's do bathroom first. I agree, it's actually stupid to separate them because the nexus of the bathroom is the toilet, but... Toilet is the center of the universe as far as bathrooms go. They have listed them separately here, so let's talk about the bathroom itself uh, first. That's listed as number one, which I disagree with. I think the toilet is the grossest. But they talk about the bathroom and they're really focusing on the bathtub itself, which I guess, yeah, it's big. But I could see that, yeah. Yeah, but it's not as gross as the toilet. No, well, no, no, of course not. It takes longer though. Well, I guess it depends on the toilet, right? I guess we're not in the majority. A recent study found staphylococcus bacteria in 26% of the bathtubs tested. While staph bacteria is common and in most cases doesn't cause any problems, if it enters the body, you get a staph infection, the bacteria multiplies, it makes you sicker than hell. So wash your damn bathtub. You got to clean it. Yeah. Does that include the shower? 
Yeah. Are we including could, the shower in It the could bathtub? be, yeah, it could be, but right now we're just going to talk about the bathtub or baths. Okay. Our bathtub, also known simply as bath or tub, is a container for holding water in which a person or animal may bathe. Most modern bathtubs are made out of thermoformed acrylic, porcelain enameled steel, fiberglass reinforced polyester, porcelain enameled cast iron. A bathtub is usually placed in a bathroom, hmm. either as a standalone fixture or in conjunction with a shower. What percentage of bathtubs are made out of flattened animal horn? Early plumbing systems for bathing go back to as far as around 3300 BC with the discovery of copper water pipes beneath a palace in ancient Europe. Huh. The oldest account of a daily ritual bathing can be traced to the ancient Indians. That's Indians from India, not Native Americans. They used elaborate practices for personal hygiene and had took three daily baths. Three daily baths? But they didn't have plumbing. Well, they made it happen anyway. And I'm just, I'm impressed is all I'm saying. The Greeks established public baths and showers within gymnasiums for relaxation and personal hygiene. The word gymnasium comes from the Greek word gymnos, which means naked. You know what would suck worse than cleaning a bathroom or a bathtub? A bathhouse. Yeah, cleaning the bathhouse. Yeah, well, that's a chore. Especially because I think it's just an excuse for guys to be jerking each other off. Yeah, but then they trip and get their wiener stuck in a vacuum cleaner. Speaking of, of jerking each other off, ancient Rome developed a network of aqueducts to supply water to all large towns and population centers and had indoor plumbing with pipes terminated in homes and at public wells and fountains. The Roman public baths were called thermae. The thermae were not simply baths, but important public works that provided facilities for many kinds of physical exercise <laughs> and ablutions, with cold, warm, and hot baths, rooms for instruction and debate, and usually one Greek and one Latin library. And also, they're all jerking each other off. Yeah, well, of course. But maybe I don't know my history, but it seems like all that like advanced plumbing type setup is kind of like not used in most civilizations for hundreds or thousands of years after that, right? Yeah, they were ahead of their time. They were ahead of their time, is yeah. It's a good summary of what I'm saying. So the final one, we said the nexus of the bathroom, the mm -hmm. dirtiest place in the house, and the most hated chore among us, it's actually number two on this list, cleaning the toilet. Number two is uh, appropriate, huh? Mm-hmm. How germy is that toilet where you number two? According to a study conducted by the University of Arizona on household bacteria, it is very germy. The study revealed that when flushing a toilet resembles a fireworks display, bacteria <laughs> such as E. coli and salmonella go flying through the air, landing on items such as the toilet seat, the handle, and other surfaces nearby. Great. Put the fucking lid down. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That lid goes down. Oh, put it down before you flush, you're saying. Yeah, that, it's a pot that you piss and shit in. It has a lid for a reason. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not fighting you on this. To keep the world's most disgusting fireworks display tamped down inside that bowl. Is fireworks display the words used by the University of Arizona? Yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's what we've come to expect from the University of Arizona. They can be designed for sitting in... This, we're, talk, still, we're talking about toilets here. They can be designed for a sitting position, popular in Europe and North America, with a toilet seat. 
or for a squatting posture. It's more popular in Asia. Well, how does the squatting toilet work? Have you never seen one? Like, there's no seat. No, you the you put your feet on either side of it and you squat down and. Let's see. I'm looking it up. It's on the Squat ground. Toilet. And then the flusher thing for it is still like up on the wall. Now, why do that? Because what if, what if you're overweight or handicapped? Well, they you might have trouble squatting. Right. I don't know. They're doing it wrong. Well, you tell them that. Forms of water flushed latrines have been found to exist since the Neolithic age. The oldest Neolithic village in Britain dating from around the 31st century BC, used a form of hydraulic technology for sanitation. The village's design used a steam and connecting drainage system to wash waste away. Did it say how the, how they, like, power's not the word, but how they, you know, powered the hydraulic function? No, but like 3,000 years before Jesus in Britain, they had flushing toilets using steam and a drainage system. Yeah, that's just crazy. Literally. The Mesopotamians were using clay sewer pipes in 4000 BC to remove wastewater from temple sites and to capture rainwater in wells. 2000 years before uh, 2000 BC, the Minoan civilization, they developed flushable pedestal toilets. And then in 1596, Sir John Harrington invented the forerunner of the modern flush toilet in Somerset, England, and he installed one for his godmother, Queen Elizabeth I. The Industrial Revolution came along and led to multiple advances in the toilet. Now, who did you always hear was the inventor of the toilet? John Crapper. All right, I had heard something similar. There's the guy's name was Thomas Crapper, and you can see he was not the inventor of the flush toilet, but Thomas Crapper was an English businessman and a plumber who founded Thomas Crapper and Company in London. This guy held nine patents. Three of them were for flushing toilet improvements, such as the floating ball cock. <laughs> is that really what it's called? Yeah. Well, the floating ball cock is a common part of the modern flushing toilet. Like, but all the toilets in your no, house I get it. have a floating ball cock. Hey, you're not going to get me disparaging. Of, I love a good floating ball cock. He also improved the S-Bend plumbing trap in 1880 and invented the U-Bend. So, this guy was a toilet visionary. This guy was a toilet visionary. Now, you had also always heard, am I right, that crap came from Thomas Crapper, right? Like the name you mean, the word crap? Right. People were like, yeah. I got to go yes. to the crapper. I thought that too. And it does seem to make sense. However, the word crap is actually of Middle English origin, and it predates its application to bodily waste. Its most likely origin is a combination of two older words, the Dutch kroppen, which means to pluck off, cut off, or separate. <laughs> or pinch off, you might say. And the old French croppe uh, is our siftings, waste, or rejected matter from the medieval Latin crappa. In English, it was used to refer to chaff and also to weeds or other rubbish. Its first recorded application to bodily waste, the first time that the word crap was applied to bodily waste, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, appeared in 1846, when Thomas Crapper was only 10 years old. So you're telling me that this toilet visionary, Thomas Crapper, mm -hmm. that it is a coincidence that his name it's not a common name, by the way. Right. Never heard anyone else with that name. But it's a coincidence that his name completely mirrors the word for crap 
That yeah. was first used in 1846. He was born in 1836. And 1846 yeah. is the first time that like the Oxford English Dictionary recognizes that crap is being used as, as poop. <laughs> yes. So he's 10 years old. He's a fourth or fifth grader. And people are like, Tommy Crapper, you know, he, they're, Maybe that inspired him. Right. He's being bullied mercilessly about being a pooper and a crapper. I bet he yeah. was like, I'll show all you fuckers. I will show <laughs> all of you fuckers. I'm going to revolutionize the crapper. And every time you take a crap, you're going to remember my name. Brandon, that is poetic. The way you just put that. Vengeance. We got to get a screenplay for this. Vengeance will be mine, saith Thomas Crapper. And, you know, while he's saying that, I can see this as a movie scene. Zooms out. He's on the crapper while he's mm-hmm. saying it. He's in that, po- that pose, the thinker. You know, what's interesting, too, is you took us through a brief history of the toilet. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, interesting to consider that through every part of human history, whether it's the cavemen or the great leaders of the world, through all time, every time, every person, sewage and toilets and pottying. TT has always been something society has to deal with. Yes. You got to figure out a way to deal with it, even if it's just digging a hole over in this corner of the village. But it's there. It's not going away. That's true. And I'll bet the household chore of cleaning the toilet in the olden days when it was just a hole in the ground is worse than it is now. This is like, it reminds me of Jerry Springer's final thought. Yeah. Let me take you quickly back through the top 10 most hated household chores. Number 10 was vacuuming. Number 9, dusting. Number 8 is mopping. Number 7 was cleaning the stove top and oven. Number 6, cleaning the windows. Number 5 is laundry. Number 4, ironing. Number 3, washing the dishes. Number 2, cleaning the toilet. Number 1, cleaning the bathroom. Uh, The one I hate the most is probably ironing. The one I hate the least, like the most tolerable to me. Probably, you know, probably would be vacuuming, number 10. I don't think vacuuming's too bad at all. It's another thing that I put, uh, I put, yeah, head- put a podcast in, put headphones on and uh, it's fun to see, it's fun to suck stuff up. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd heard that about you, that you like sucking stuff up. That's why I'm always wearing a loose fitting gown while I do it. Yeah. Just in case you have the erotic accident of your penis falling into the cavernous, very hard to miss slit in the vacuum sack. <laughs> That's what I'll tell him at the emergency room. I had an erotic accident. Speaking of erotic accidents, it was not an accident, though it was erotic. On our most recent bonus episode, it released this past weekend. It's the top 20 worst inventions in human history, according to some random blogger from Pakistan. So you can learn about the anti-eating mask, finger condoms, chapstick for your head, and more. It's available to listen to right now exclusively for Patreon members. You can sign up now to gain instant access to this and dozens of other bonus episodes right now at patreon.com slash tennispod. And I'd say the toilet is not one of the worst inventions in human history. I'd say it's one of the best. I don't think many people would argue with that. Yeah. Well, there are people arguing for and against us because we're going to close out with some podcast reviews, but I actually have a negative review today to read. Okay. Let's start with a positive one, though. The first one was from Joey Sills on Apple Podcasts. I really enjoy the variety of these lists. It can be anything from most popular presidents to best-selling video game consoles to top porn searches. I would make a top 10 list of my favorites episodes, but I'll leave that to the professionals. Stay awesome, my friends. 
We're professionals now, Brandon. Cool. Thank We're you. We're respected in the industry of top 10 lists. All right, let me read you this one-star review. Comes from the aptly named Why Not 878787 on Apple Podcasts. The full review, chock full of constructive criticism. Boring and full of themselves. Oh, that was it? That's it. Okay, well, I disagree. Like I told you before, I think we could have got away with boring, but we got greedy when we decided to also be full of ourselves on the same podcast. Yeah, well, whether you like it or not, leave a review. But if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. Don't leave a review. I, you know, I've never taken the time to leave a bad review. <laughs> no, me either. Just because a podcast is not for you doesn't mean you need to try to, I guess, harm is a strong word, but, you know, harm our work here by shitting on the podcast, trying to deter listeners. But whatever. Fuck you. Why not? 878787. But thanks for the review anyway. Vladimir on Apple Podcasts. I'm going to cleanse the palate with one more. It's a positive one. Wish I'd thought of this idea. Honestly, what a great and simple premise for a podcast. This is the kind of pod you can put on and hang to like you're with old friends. It really caught me off guard. It would take me till 2024 to get through their back catalog, but I'm happy to try. This is an easy recommendation. See, that's how you write a review. You know, you don't have to wish that you invented the, uh, you came up with the idea. You can also just steal the idea. Well, there's nothing wrong. I mean, how would that hurt us? No, don't give them that idea. Nah, you can steal it. Don't steal it. Just steal it and don't, like, let us find out. No, no. Nobody listen to Brandon right now. Don't steal the idea. Thank you for the reviews. If you want us to read your review, go rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and I will read it, no matter what it says. That's that. Brandon, this was a chore to get through, but still not as bad a chore as ironing. Well, I'm sorry. You know, we haven't traveled together in a long time now, so I might just send you a special care package... Uh, with my clothes for you to iron so that you can relive that bonding. It definitely won't go straight in the trash. Okay. Well, I hope you don't throw this podcast in the trash because we'll be back next week with my top 10-ish list on episode 139. In the meantime, thanks for listening. From us and Cardi B, goodbye. Thanks.